This is inconstant. Hey everyone, uh, we're back. It's been a while. We're doing a, another episode of me asking weird questions. My guest today is Sam White. Hi. Hello, everyone. So I'll just uh, I'll just uh, introduce uh, Sam. So Sam is a comedian and writer. She has um, oops, let me kind of bring my laptop to where I can actually read your thing. So Sam is a comedian and writer. She has a background working in charity and she's written for various newspapers and LGBT publications on the subjects, including mental health, queer rights, poverty and homelessness. Um, she tries to tackle difficult mental health issues, including those lesser discussed, such as mania and psychosis through comedy, but not through to the, not, for, uh, uh, not to the exclusion of dick jokes. Um, so um, <laughs> how are you, Sam? How are you doing? Yeah, well, I'm doing as well as as uh, everyone is at the moment, I guess. Just kind of yeah. cracking on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um thank you for coming on. Uh thank you for taking your the time out of your um day to do the uh podcast. So I just uh, was wondering kind of what, what are you up to at the moment? I saw I was I was listening to another podcast that you're on that you were um maybe thinking about doing a podcast called big mick energy and i was just wondering how that was progressing if well, at all. It, it is still progressing the problem is my um my friend who uh and would-be co-host kelly wells um as, as she's basically got an amazing new job she's doing the um loads of communication stuff for amanda palmer the musician so, oh cool yeah yeah, it yeah. Re- it's really amazing so it's a really good reason why it hasn't yet moved forward um but we've got loads of stuff recorded it's just a question of um getting it all edited and, and ready to go out and whatnot and hopefully things will, will level off with with kelly's workload so we will be able to go forward with that okay that sounds fantastic so what's what what the what, what's kind of what's the uh, like elevator pitch for the podcast what what is it uh what is it about well we're both um girls with sort of uh atypical neurology uh who are just really into our football so there will be football chat but uh there will also be general chat about navigating life as a slightly head wonky woman okay that sounds that sounds uh great um I was, when i was reading through your um, bio the one of the things that stood out um uh, to me was your work with homelessness um so I've, I've, I've got another podcast where i view audiobooks and we just finished reviewing this absolutely devastating um look at the homelessness situation in the uk and how kind of covid19 has um impacted on it so uh i was just wondering if you had any kind of thoughts it's it, it's a horrendous time to be homeless, especially like even if you're not street homeless, even if you're in a hostel, because um, there'll be, you know, you in a night shelter, for example, you you might be have fourteen of you just sleeping on camp beds in one room, essentially with like all your possessions on you as well, and it's just an absolute hotbed for COVID nineteen as well, and uh, this you know even if you're street begging, there's there's people. You know, there's no people in the city centre. It's, yeah. it's just a hell of a time um, 
for homeless people. Early on, a lot of people were uh, temporarily housed, but uh, that provision's being taken away now. So there are a lot of people really struggling more than they would in, you know, in the before times without yeah, in the any before times. Yeah. Without <laughs> even any kind of um any kind of structure in place to get more support. It's yeah, it's actually a really grim time. Yes. Um that's kind of I think when the audio because listening to is called No Fixed Above is by um Maeve McGlenigan and um yeah she was I think in her preface she was saying that like the you know COVID nineteen is shown if there's a will to provide uh housing and accommodation to people then it can be done. It's just that that you know successive governments haven't had that as a priority for for whatever reason. That's exactly it. Like COVID nineteen has really in in many ways, not just in terms of homelessness, but in terms of furlough and stuff, it shows you can support people if there's a political will to do it. Yeah. Um so are you working on any other interesting projects at the moment? I can imagine kind of like with like COVID-19, the stand-up clubs not being open and things like that, kind of how you're keeping yourself It's so busy. weird. It's the thing you've got to just kind of grab all the sort of Twitch and podcasting opportunities you can do. Um, it's really hard to write new material. Like you can't do anything observational. Who remembers outside? Um, <laughs> who remembers yeah. the warm embrace of another human being? Um, yeah. <laughs> some people have really made it work for them. Do you know what? So, like some comedians who've um, done a lot of Twitch streaming and stuff have really found a new niche and that's really incredible. I've just been trying to do as much writing and as much podcasting as I can do. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I don't get the Twitch thing at all. Um, just like watching people playing video games yeah. or doing whatever. I'm just, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, maybe I'm just, it's not my generation, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. I it's don't get a, it. It's a all. totally different vibe and you don't know until you put in that position whether you've got it in you, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, that's that's true as well. I mean, I've started three podcasts while in lockdown, so I can't I'm not really in a position to say anything. Really. <laughs> so um It's amazing though, isn't it? Like if you if you're a creative, it has been a time where you're really thrown into into the game to see what you've got in your locker. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I think that I think that's true. So um, let's get into the questions. So uh, my first question is uh, this: some of the some of the uh, uh, questions I'm going to put to you are going to be quite weird, um, and <laughs> I'd just like to ask my guest if they would like to have a safety word to stop the questioning at oh. any point. So yeah, would you like to have a safety word? Can I just shout abort? Yes, you can <laughs> just shout abort if yeah. you're um, unprepared to. Um, uh, 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 answer a question. So, um, okay. so let's let's start with a classic. So, this is the, usually the first question that I ask my guests. Um, I was once asked to leave a poker game. Uh, this was because the smell of my farts was so bad <laughs> that the other players found it uh, distracting. Can you tell me about a time where you've been asked to leave somewhere? I would have insisted on staying. You can really work that to your advantage uh, in poker. <laughs> the, uh, dude, it was, uh, I would say it was unconscionable for me to <laughs> Do you know yeah, what? You're, you're a deeply moral person. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I thought the other players were distracted by my body odour, I would absolutely be in there till the death. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, ask to leave anywhere. Um, 
my friend had a good one. My friend, my friend, um, girls were always like this playing sport. My, my friend was a um, member of a cross-country run-in society and she was asked to leave after she punched another girl in the face. <laughs> <laughs> was that just unprovoked violence or was there kind of like um, a, a build-up? I think that there might have been some victim precipitation for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> but rather, the thing is she didn't want, she was like petrified of telling her mum. So instead oh, of... Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, instead of telling her mum, I'm, I'm sorry, I screwed up here. Uh, she She went and kicked a wall and broke three of her toes so she couldn't go for a while. Oh, <laughs> ow. I know. Why? Oh, my gosh. I'm quite I impressed by that, that though. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, no. I mean, I remember kind of, like, getting to fights at school and kind of, like, my parents telling me off I like, don't do that it's terrible but then like my dad kind of slyly coming over to me afterwards like, did you win though <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like um I don't know it's yeah oh wow well that's, that's your thing isn't know. it were you always yeah. were you always a good fighter who me no yeah. I am a terrible fighter oh. I remember one of my earliest school memories is getting into um a fight in like primary school or something and then I was winding this this other boy up and um he punched me in the face at, at playtime and i hid in the toilets oh. <laughs> and people were like knocking on the toilets trying to get me to come out to, to finish the fight and i was like in there oh. crying oh, bless. <laughs> well, your, your first blow to the face is quite a wake-up call i think that's yeah. that's only fair yeah yeah so uh <laughs> there is that that's another traumatic memory that's yeah <laughs> the thing is if you're at school and someone wants to fight you, it's really hard to back down it is i think that's like one of the major things especially kind of like the young 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 men is yeah. you need to kind of give yourself an out yeah kind of like it just it's because it, so generally speaking like boys when they fight each other they don't really want to hurt each no. other it's just about status but i think from what i've observed when women fight it is they genuinely want to like tear chunks oh when girls each snap, other. they go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i noticed that in girls football actually like when i play when i was younger and i played mixed football it was definitely more good natured <laughs> yeah i can imagine i can imagine um so yeah the next question i haven't i don't think i've asked this question um oh, before all right so um, my uh, so I went to a uh, Muslim wedding with one of my uh, close friends. Um, he had dancing girls walk him and his wife into <laughs> the reception hall. Um, Romance, the, yeah, yeah. Well, actual belly dancing girls <laughs> accompany him and his wife into the into the reception hall. Um, the mostly conservative Muslim crowd kind of sat in polite, stunned silence. Oh, wow. I was just wondering, what's the weirdest thing you've seen at a wedding? God, I saw two wives having a fight. Oh, what? Why is it always returning to fighting? This sounds like I'm more violent than I am. <laughs> but yeah, I saw two washers absolutely going hell for leather outside a really nice kind of rural barn. Uh, you know, I, I suppose it's everyone's, not a Muslim wedding, obviously, but yeah. like uh, um, a lot of other weddings, everyone's been on the bevy since about midday, haven't they? So, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of getting 
getting the you know preloading and all that stuff as well. <laughs> as I imagine at um at, at, uh, at wedding. I think that's kind of a major thing that with like COVID nineteen is not being able to kind of attend these social events like weddings and birthday parties and yeah, things like that. So like yeah, I'm the gonna... only thing I've been to in lockdown is a funeral. And same here. Same yeah, here. yeah, and it's... that's probably true for everyone. Yeah, um, it's quite bleak. Really, yeah. it's just horrible. Yeah. Even a funeral isn't the same energy, is it? Because it's usually restricted to 30 people or something. And normally yeah. it'd be a real celebration of someone's life rather than 30 people in a scout hut. And it's... Yeah, kind of uh, spaced out apart, not being able to hug and that sort of thing. It's, yeah, pretty terrible. Mm. Pretty terrible. Um, so let me ask... this question. So I'm, I'm actually looking for a job at the moment and I'm just thinking about, you know, some of these questions I've put in the... Um, in the podcast, if like a prospective employer listened to them, getting a work. Um, okay, let's let me ask this quite an embarrassing question. Um, okay, as a teenager, I was worried that I had a small penis. In an effort to enlarge it, I tied rubber bands around my cock and balls in the belief that the extra blood flow <sighs> would somehow encourage growth. My question to you is, what's the dumbest thing that you've done to uh, improve your looks or um, self-esteem? Oh, God. <laughs> this this could be any number of things. Yeah. <laughs> what have I done to improve, improve my self-esteem? Oh, God. I'll tell you one that I really, that ended up being a massive mistake, but I didn't know until later, was... I think when I was about 17, I got my nipples pierced, which I thought was really kind. It didn't actually hurt. It wasn't too oh, bad. Yeah. That's not, it's that, that, yeah, like yeah, that bit was yeah. okay. Yeah. But I didn't realize that if you get cold, then the titanium gets cold and it, the piercing didn't hurt, but oh my God, <laughs> being out like, being too chilly and your nipples freeze, that is too much. And oh. so I was running into the toilets at college, like trying to lick them, trying to warm, <laughs> warm them up. And that just wasn't cutting it, wasn't cutting it at all. So I ended up oh. just waiting till there was no one there, then trying to run them under the tap. And <laughs> absolutely oh. no one warned you about this. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't see the first time. I think I actually saw um, another girl's breasts was at college and she kind of just whipped them out because she just had them pierced. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, yeah, look, look what I've done. I was like, oh, oh, okay. That's an unexpected boob. <laughs> <laughs> right there, just a, it's okay. weird. When the, when they're pierced, it doesn't feel like you're showing your tits off. You're just showing someone a bit of body art. <laughs> there was a guy at our college with a pierced cock and it was very much the same. Like it was not the same when he whipped it yeah. out. To show yeah. us that was, yeah. you know, if someone whipped their cock out, that would not be good. But, you yeah. know, it, as long as there's a steel bar through it, apparently <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that is, it's, I suppose it's kind of the same with like um, uh, tattoos and things like that, isn't it? It's kind mm. of uh, somehow it makes the uh, nudity somehow acceptable. Uh, yeah. Because it's a, there's a context to it. Yes, this, yeah, this isn't nudity. This is art. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
what is the next question I will ask you? Um, oh, yes. Uh, okay. I once accidentally drank some of my mate's uh, piss. What is the, the grossest thing that you've had in your mouth? Oh, abort. Abort? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. For um, protection of the innocent, absolutely abort. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, okay. H- how about this one? Um, I often have conversations with myself and the characters that live inside my head. <laughs> I often do this while I'm walking around. One of these characters is Cat, who is a cat. Um, I am pretty sure while I was out on a walk one day, a member of the public caught me meowing <laughs> to myself. My question to you is, what is the most embarrassing thing a member of a pu- member of the public has caught you doing? Oh God, this is really this is this is really bad when um, you've got when you've got a history of psychosis because sometimes. There have been times where I've been out in the street quite obviously responding to hallucinations. In fact, I had to, you don't really have that insight if you're psychotic. So it's very, you know, it's very possible that members of the public have seen me talking to all kinds of things. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's really weird. Nobody, like, I think it's quite taboo if you've been psychotic, but. Yeah, that's kind of. I've not heard, not thought about it kind of like that way because like for me I just I get bored quite easily so it's just having these little conversations inside my head like the the one thing that I I, I like to do quite often in you know when I'm walking around is relive fights um, <laughs> or arguments that I've had with people and just try and figure a way out to how you know well I should have said this and I should yeah. have said that yeah so um yeah but it's yeah. really hard not to uh come out with that out loud isn't it yes uh, i think that is um that's definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> true um let me see what is the next question i should ask i think i will ask uh let me see let me see okay uh once uh late at night while taking a dump i was startled by a mouse I screeched like a um, schoolgirl and leapt in, onto the toilet seat. Can you tell me about a time where you were startled or frightened? Oh God, constantly. That's just <laughs> that's just <laughs> that's just permanent life for me. I, I what's it like? I, I did stay in a flat with mice once, and they. It wasn't even that there were a lot of mice about. It's that they were totally unfazed by humans. Yeah, that's the thing. They're they're feisty, man. Like these mice, just yeah. they, they, they don't care. Yeah, I thought like, aren't you? Aren't they most meant to be more scared of us? But they absolutely are not. <laughs> they're just yeah, just walking around and uh, yeah, eating, eating your food and stuff like that. Um, oh, yeah. My partner's really brutal with them. My partner will kill a mouse if he sees a mouse, and I just haven't got it oh. in my heart. <laughs> I've I've tried the buggers are fast man kind of like I've I've thrown shoes at them and stuff I I once cornered a mouse kind of like underneath my um washing machine and I was like trying to get it but it just, it just like, <laughs> sped away it's just like oh god can't kind of if I was some sort of hunter gatherer that would have been like a failed <laughs> failed test by yeah but it's better than me just going oh no I can't possibly kill it I know my 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 partner um once 
killed one by throwing a bread bin at it. Oh, wow. I know. Yeah. I read, like, <laughs> um, but the thing is, he'd taken a photo of it on his phone. And um, sometime later, he went to show someone a picture on his phone and they ended up scrolling through and oh, no. got to the picture <laughs> of a mouse crushed by a bread bin, which is... You know, it's just surprising. <laughs> you don't yeah. you don't imagine that image being on someone's phone for any good reason. Yeah, that is kind of like a serial killer photo, yeah. isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. It's a good job I know him well, really, because <laughs> <laughs> out of context, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> did you like keep the bread bin afterwards, or was that kind of like did he put it on like a trophy shelf? wouldn't put it past him no i think it ended i think it ended up out out with the rubbish but it sounds like it was a quite a boisey house that he was in at the time and it sounds like quite a few mice got taken down but i just i don't know i can't do it they're just little and they've got imploring eyes and (laughs) (laughs) yeah the thing is that my mice are um incontinent so like they Mm. do just they 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 the bladders like mine are quite weak, so they do just kind of pee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, At this place, the landlord told us to um, put our bedside cabinets on top of the fridge so they couldn't get to any food on our bedside cabinets. And I'm like, I really don't think you're addressing the issue here. <laughs> um, that, that, so, sorry, can you run that by me again? Put, so he didn't like get an exterminator or no, anything? No, like that. <laughs> no, he... he just thought that sort of sensible measures of putting all food out of mice reach i'm sure mice can climb mice can climb dude yeah. mice can definitely climb and they they're quite good at chewing through things yeah it's, it's kind of like what this is really like landlordy behavior like yeah. <laughs> we'll try absolutely anything uh, before actually having to pay for something but yeah, that's- weird um this isn't my story to tell oh should i should i tell this story okay what's what's the weirdest experience that you've had while while renting what's the weirdest experience you've had while renting oh god i can't tell this story because i haven't asked the permission i'll tell you i'll I'll tell you i'll tell it to you afterwards (laughs) okay quite uh quite horrific she had a series of horrific experiences renting out in london but yeah yeah, okay. I mean, oh. it's far worse in London, to be fair, because I'm up in Manchester. But it and it, it's getting a bit like that, but it's not like you're not spending, you're not dropping a thousand pounds for a, you know, a kind of one bed studio. Yeah, but, it's, um, yeah, I think Manchester, I think especially the city centre, from what I understand, is going through quite a lot of like refurbishment and um, kind of like, you know, people being still being priced out of the kind of like areas that they were kind of yeah in as well. Yeah, I had to move move out of town about five years ago, and it is really, it's really great. Mind you, the the, the place I I live in now I won't specify, yeah. but oh my god, it it's lively. I mean, that this <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? It's very cheap where I am. And I can't complain, <laughs> but there's a lot of crack around. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of very, very visible crack use, which, you know, uh, yeah. which isn't ideal, but also I really appreciate the cheapness. <laughs> yeah. 
um, kind of you have to take the rough with the smooth. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, there's lo- there's some incredibly shouty people, and I do I do wonder what's going. You can't you can't intervene, can you? I do wonder what's going on in their lives, though. Yeah, it's probably nothing good. <laughs> yeah, it's, probably, it's probably nothing to do with me. So. Yeah. Um, uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, so once after a particularly vigorous jiu-jitsu tre- session, me and my mates decided to strip down to our underwear and have an impromptu bodybuilding contest. <laughs> one, of, one of my quote-unquote friends said that I had no ass. Not that I had a small ass or a flat ass. I had no ass. This comment hurt me deeply. Can you tell me about a hurtful comment someone has made about your appearance or body? All right, yeah, I've got a great one of this. Um, right, I was sat. It's about half eleven one morning. Um, in it was in Sheffield, Sheffield City Centre, and a woman came over to me and said, "I think you could probably stand to lose a bit of weight. You've got a very nice face, but you could stand to lose a bit of weight." And it's health as well. You should, you know, you should lose weight for your health. You know, only a stone. Just drop a stone, you'll be fine. Uh, it, 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 you'll be much healthier. And this would be fine. Were it well, no, it wouldn't be fine. It'd be really rude. <laughs> but yeah. it would be easier to take if it hadn't been half eleven in the morning. And this woman was sipping from a quarter bottle of vodka. <laughs> and I'm like. I'm being lectured about my health by a woman who's drinking spirits in the morning. <laughs> like, oh, oh my I god, just... I cannot be that fat. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the, the way I don't understand how strangers can walk up to like, people they don't know and say that. I just, what did she think the possible outcome of that was going to be? <laughs> I think she thought <laughs> that this was a really kind intervention. She was. <laughs> She was like just up for obviously a bit of Dutch courage makes it easier, um, oh. but yeah. So she's just sipping from like a bottle of vodka while she said this to you. Only a quarter bottle. It was the morning. Okay. <laughs> what, what did she? What did she smell like? I mean, do, do you know what? She wasn't like. <clears throat> she wasn't like proper messy face. Yeah, uh, she was t- telling me how many steps she'd done that morning. She was like, "I've I've done thirteen thousand steps this morning. How many have you done? <laughs> you only have to do the same number as me, you know, just to get half a stone off. Be really easy." <laughs> oh my god! Um, I suppose like she has to do that if she's because um, that boost is just a lot of empty calories anyway. Yeah, no, it? absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's three hundred and fifty calories that she's consuming right there. So, <laughs> yeah. Um... So let's actually, talking of interventions, I've got one here about that. So I need to get the wording right. Um, where is it gone? Okay, my uh, friend Anna uh, once did a sit-down intervention with me. She told me in no uncertain terms that uh, a girl that I had a crush on um, would never go out of me and that I should kill my feelings for her and move on because the entire situation was making our group of mutual friends very uncomfortable. Oh, mate. (laughs) Can you tell me about a time when uh, a friend or a group of friends of yours have told you to sort yourself out? Oh, God. Yeah, constantly. Um, Oh, that's so... Oh, I really feel for you. That really sucks. (laughs) That's fine. It's fine. I can laugh at it now. Oh, Um, bless her. You'd have to... to, to 
to be fair, it was kind of after one incident where I was just acting like a creep. So I, it was entirely deserved um, oh. what happened to me. So, yeah. Do you know what, though? That's that's amazing kind of being able to reflect on it like that. I don't think everyone can take constructive advice like that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's because it was coming from, from my mate Anna and that's just kind of like the way she is. She's very kind of like, um, I don't, it's not that I don't care about your feelings, but I've, I've got information that I need to convey to you. Yeah. That's more important. Yeah. Everyone, we do need someone straightforward who will tell you stuff like that, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, kind of like, have you ever, has anyone ever kind of had to do sit down intervention? Sort <laughs> with of. It's going back to when I was having a manic episode and yeah. I was doing gigs and I was having a lovely time because if yeah. you're manic, you are having a lovely time. But I was like overrunning by 10 minutes and just talking shit and I wasn't even being funny. And someone had to pull me to one side. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure this is entirely you. I'm not sure you're entirely <laughs> bossing this. And I normally I've, I'm, I've got such low self-esteem. And well, not no. I don't mean that sound um, as abrupt as it does. But normally, I like doubt everything I do. And it was just for this three month period, I was just had ridiculous self confidence. And it's it's weird. I want to go back to everyone I did a gig for during that time and say, by the way, I'm not I'm not like that. The only the only way I'll be arrogant is if I'm seriously mentally ill. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just not my vibe at all to be overconfident. <laughs> oh wow! Oh gosh, that's uh, yeah. So if you, that must be kind of a weird, that's weird situation. But kind of when you're feeling a manic stage coming on and you're feeling good, that must be. How, how do you kind of like cope with that? Kind of maybe in the back of your head, you're wondering, am I just feeling good because it's like the sun is out, or is like a kind of manic period coming on how do you kind of that's the thing, manage it, that it generally starts really well it generally starts with you just being really productive and really on it and it can like level out at that point but it's when you haven't slept for a couple of weeks properly and you do you do start lacking insight and you do need someone to say i, I think you need to go to i think you need some sedatives and to go to bed for a bit uh oh yeah, but that's good. Uh, I got like my my friend took me to the doctors and uh, well, sort of frog marched me to the doctors and got me sorted out. So I'm really lucky in that respect because yeah, I think it's so good early on when you've just got words tumbling out of you and when you've you know you can work for sort of ten hours. It's fantastic, but you know it's double edged. <laughs> yeah, it is double edged. Did you see that documentary on the? Um, BBC, I forget the name of the the actor. It was called Mental Health and Me, and he's the the actor was, was talking David about. Hare? Yes, David Hare. It's an absolutely fantastic documentary. Yeah, and it was amazing. Of, yeah, kind of him actually going back and looking at kind of you know when he had his mental breakdown and not really realizing how kind of like serious it was yeah he kind of came to that yeah is um but it's really significant that you know i'm a white woman he's a black guy because black men having interactions with mental health services tends to be i did i have worked on some work in mental health and 
you know, you're more likely to be restrained, you're more likely to be detained. Uh, the section rate's massive. You're more likely to be on community treatment orders and stuff. So it's I really feel for someone like David Hare because his experience would have been complicated by all that kind of stuff. And it's, I think that's really gaslighty because you're in mental health services who are supposed to help you. But because of your demographic, you might be being treated more harshly than somebody else. And I don't know how you even work out in your head what was help and what was disproportionate force. Yes, I think I think it's like a, a, a lot of things to do with, with mental health. There's, there's obviously um, kind of really terribly underfunded. It's still kind of even, you know, it's spoken openly a little bit more. Um, there's still, I think, I feel like there's a massive taboo, especially in like minority ethnic communities about, and I'm sure that doesn't help in terms of getting early intervention and mm. um, access to, to kind of medical treatment as well. Yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next question. Um, a judge, so I used to be a lawyer. Um, so a judge once told me that a consent order that I drafted was so badly written that it'd leave my f- firm open to a negligence claim oh, um, no. in the value of hundreds of thousands of pounds. No. Thankfully, the client was in court and I didn't tell my boss. What is the biggest mistake that you've made that you haven't told anyone about? Oh, God, I'm trying to think of something that won't incriminate me or compromise <laughs> my chance of further work. Oh, God, I once called someone a dickhead from my uh, work account because I had three work accounts on my phone and it was like a really jokey oh you dickhead thing as well yeah like oh, uh, like a mate of mine was oh you'll never guess what happens tonight and I was like ah oh, you dickhead oh I just had that <laughs> from a corporate account <laughs> <laughs> that's not brilliant yeah <laughs> oh, that was what, oh god once I completely lost uh years and years ago when I was working I was doing invoicing for someone I completely lost an order from the biggest client and I do you know I've got no memory of it literally no memory of it but I know that our biggest client didn't have a service that we were providing for them because I've gone blank at some point and just not seen the email that's a really dull answer but also virtually every comedian I know has been terrible at a service job so yes I think yeah it's uh it's interesting how certain that, that for me, I I was not a good solicitor because I was too agreeable, and you need someone who's a little bit more disagreeable, yeah, than me to kind of like put their um, you know, put the best interests because I just want to please everyone, and mm. really, when you're working as a lawyer, you just need to please your client. Yeah, <laughs> you shouldn't be worried about too much what the the other side um think of you. It's too much. surprising how many like really solidly nice people I've known working in law who've just burnt out because they can't they can't balance having to be ruthless ever yeah, it's it, really hard work it's, it's really it's, it is really difficult work and yeah it's yeah I I kind of still one of my proudest achievements today was talking one of my mates out of pursuing a career <laughs> in law just by 
just giving them like all these horror stories it's like stressful you know clients are horrible it's long hours yeah and all this sort of thing so yeah that's the Um, thing it's like um certainly when you uh newly qualified you're expected to do more hours than you contracted aren't you and if you insist on going home on the dot of five you you're not gonna last five minutes so yeah you are taking on a massive emotional burden at the yeah I i think it didn't help kind of the firm that i did my training uh training at was i don't want to say like a wild house but it was kind of um I I've, I had to call the police, the office on more than one occasion because a client was threatening oh, another one of the solicitors there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's kind of that sort of firm. Um, so I, I think that, uh, that, uh, that definitely didn't, and didn't now, help. Everyone wants to go into sort of criminal law as well, don't they? Even though it's like the hardest and the least re- uh, well remunerated thing you could be doing. Oh yeah. Uh, it's Well, they've got a glamorized idea of what, criminal practicing criminal law is um mm. and if you if you're on the inside of like a solicitor's office you just you know see file you know files are piled up to the ceiling and mm. um especially with criminal law they have not had any pay increase in like so i think especially for barristers not something like 15 20 years mm. there's not been an increase in the rate of pay so yeah one of my little bugbears there. I, could t- um, I could totally understand that. It is it, it is pretty shocking. Lots of people got into this life in the nineties and thought that was just law. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no, it's not. no. Um, um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, when when you was growing up, did you was it always like a stand up comedian or astronaut or no? Always a stand up or a writer and um. And I'm more than happy to balance anything else in my life or anything I need to do to make money with uh, stand-up and writing just because that's all I've ever wanted to do. And I never imagined it would be open to me. And it was only like doing a a, a couple of gigs that made me realise, actually, you don't, you don't have to be amazing. If you want to just go on and do your thing, you can just go and do your thing. You don't have to be the best at it. Like some people see Daniel Kitson and go, oh, I'll never be that good, so I won't bother. But that's really that's fascinating. Uh, so I, I, I do. Yes, yeah, so I run a martial arts club, and the amount of people that are put off by put off starting something because they don't give their give themselves permission to be bad, yeah, is just startling. Mm. It's just you know, the first two three times you're going to do something, you're going to be shit at it. Mm kind of the first draft of a you know a script or a you know story you're going to write it's probably going to be pretty awful but you need to kind of like finish it so you've got something that you can improve upon yeah so, and i just I, I don't think that's really a lesson that's being taught at schools or at homes and, and things like that it's kind of got this idea of the perfect amateur it's such a grim idea that you can never yeah. do something never enjoy something if you're not going to be the best at it it's uh, I don't know. It is, isn't it? Actually, yeah. yeah. Like I've got, yeah. I've got a mate who um, is terrified of retiring because he doesn't think he'll have enough hobbies. And I'm like, take up a hobby, and he's like, no, I couldn't stand being bad at it. Like, well, you know, that's the whole process. You have to enjoy the process of being bad. I think certainly in stand up, the first time you have a gig and you die in your ass, and you still wanna 
do it the next night, you realise that you're in it for the right reason, really. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Is that too too traumatic a memory to go back to kind of the first time you died died on your ass on stage? Uh, no, I just think it was, uh, it, it did, it was, it was, I was trying out new material too soon. I should have, I'd like, it was when I realised you've really got to hone a 10 minutes and a 20 minutes. You can't be going in with new stuff every time because it's just not always going to land. And the, the worst thing is when you've got a joke that you really love to bits and it never hits, right? Oh, You're like, yeah, that's, that's my favourite, that's my baby, but nobody likes it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, so kind of, um, you, you said a little bit that, you know, you, you always wanted to be a stand-up and write. Kind of who were your early early heroes in terms of um, stand-ups that you enjoyed? Oh, God, it was like all alternative comedy. So, like... I'd, I'd, I'd spend like all my pocket money getting VHSs off eBay of like old stand-up comedians, sort of um, Alexi Sale and stuff. I was a very big fan of Jeremy Hardy, big fan of Linda Smith, because um, there weren't actually there weren't many female comedians when I was growing up. So the ones that there were, you ended up really looking up to. Um, but the whole world of alternative comedy just completely drew me in because it was so different to what had been before and just really stretched the format, really stretched the notion of what comedy could be. And and like I say, I, I, I'm in some ways quite a uh, safe comedian in that, you know, I don't do anything particularly surreal or outlandish, but the work Not people... The kind- doing that Stuart Lee bit where he tells the same joke yeah like seven times in a row don't get me wrong I'd love to be able to do that I'd love to be good enough to push the boundaries like that but I'm okay that I can't like that is is for people who have that in their skill set and I'm quite happy to just be telling jokes yeah that sounds fair enough fair enough to me really um uh okay let's ask uh, this is a new question i've not put to anyone before um i recently read an article in the guardian about the let's see let me take another run up at that (laughs) okay i recently read an article in the guardian about the proliferation of incest porn (laughs) what has finally happened perverts have ruined porn (laughs) um is there anything else that you think um perverts have ruined uh do you know what? Actually, I think perverts have enhanced porn because, <laughs> like, when I was uh, working in, in sexual health, I realising that there are a lot of people with kinks that are so weird and I just don't relate to at all, but they have such a lovely time. Like, you know, like like dudes who dress up as 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 dogs and get themselves walked around houses. And I'm like, okay, that's weird, that's niche, but actually, they are having such a nice time. <laughs> yeah, I've never thought of it, thought about it that way um, before. Actually, kind of, yeah, actually, yeah, that, that is a fascinating way of looking at it. I mean, incest porn, actually. not good. Yeah, it, it, yeah <laughs> I mean, if, if, if your kink is that you want to, you know, have a, a, a intimate relations with your sister, maybe a little bit of shame around your kink yeah, is is, yeah. is is a good thing. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I just, I, I, but when yeah. it totally doesn't impact anybody else. Oh, right, right. The start of lockdown, and I thought this was just adorable. Um, and there was no PPE. And, you know, it was really hard for anyone to get hold of anything to, to do their jobs. And a medical fetish site ended up donating all their scrubs and masks to a hospital. And I was like, I never want them kink shamed again. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. Kink, kink, shaming's quite. I remember kind of like those, not gruesome, but those those documentaries about. And they always seem to be either on Channel Four or Channel Five about these kind of weird people that would. I say that's that's a terrible thing. These people that <laughs> um, wanted to have um, sexual inter, uh, relations with like objects, like uh, yeah, you know, there's they, that that guy that um um wanked all over his mate's car and um oh, that's, that not nice. <laughs> that's not very nice that's not very yeah yeah if, if you're gonna yeah. be into object fetishism you should really own the object yeah well you know it's, maybe part of part of the the attraction was kind of like that cheating thing that that, that yeah. thrill of uh, yeah. <laughs> his mate. yeah oh it's like it's like shagging your mate's girlfriend but it's yeah. his car. Do you know the weird, the weirdest? I used to live on the edge of the gay village, and because I think everyone in that community has been relatively shamed just for their sexuality, a lot more people are open about how much they really enjoy sex, and that's actually quite refreshing. That that uh, it's one of the most sex positive environments I've ever been in, just because. You know, everyone's been made to feel bad enough as it is. Yeah, I think uh, once lockdown is, I'm where I am with lockdown. It's kind of for me. It's kind of it's at the end of a really long like race or marathon, and you can kind of see the finish line. Mm. Um, and it's it's not that far away, but it's still quite far away, and you're just exhausted. And I don't know if I've got the energy to kind of get there. I know at the moment. I don't know. Um, how are you, you feeling about But that? also there's this, I think it's like, it's absolute 50-50 between I'm so tired of lockdown, this is such hard work, and I've got zero confidence in my ability to do anything I could before. Because, like, we haven't tested it. We haven't tried anything for a year. Who knows what it's going to yeah. feel like? It's really strange. It's like 50-50 massive um claustrophobia and agoraphobia i think everyone's got that sort of battle going on at the minute yeah i'm kind of so i do brazilian jiu-jitsu and i've for me that is i, I didn't re, i mean i kind of knew that it played a massive role mm. in making kind of balancing my mental health yeah. uh, problems that i've got and i can't wait to get back to it but at the same time i'm just really worried about sweating on my mates again and mm. you know if if one of us has got it or not so yeah there's there is that God, i hadn't thought of that well. when it's naturally a contact sport but it's also yeah. the time that gets you out of yourself the time that is just for you and your mental health yeah i mean yeah it's yeah I've missed it massively what, what's kind of like the biggest thing that you've missed um while we've been in well, lockdown it, it turns out i'm a gym twat it really does that I've that not being able to just be in the gym for like say four hours or something a week where my head slows down and 
I just run out all anything that's gone on during the day. That has been really, really hard. But um, I'm, I'm really glad that football started again because the closest thing I've got to the sort of silence in my head that I get at the gym is the silence in a, I get in my head when I watch football. So Yeah, that's interesting. I, I could really do without International Week this week, frankly. Oh, I support Arsenal, and I think kind of the <laughs> games that we've had, we could do with international break. It worked out just, well for you yesterday. Oh, I just like the word "consistently inconsistent" is is just. I, I, yeah, they're really good, but they're really shit. Yeah. They're really good, but they're really shit. Um, yeah, uh, the, Ever- the most seem to be going well, though. So, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know. We uh, again. It's it's a consistency issue. You don't know which Everton it's going to be, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, we'll be fighting it out for a seventh place as it uh, as it stands, seventh. won't we? <laughs> yeah, that, see, that's better. okay for me. I'm used to that, but <laughs> it's. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Arsenal fans have finally kind of realised that this is a long term mm. project, and uh, it might be three or four years until. We're back into the Champions League, but that's that's fine. That's fine. You sticking it's with fine? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the mood on Arteta? Are you sticking with Arteta? Do you think? I, I think so. I think uh, this year you can't really count this year, mm. um, even though it's his first full season in charge. And I don't think you can count this season for any new managers because it's just been such a weird season. Mm. Like, there's been so much football um, in such a congested period of time i think if if he doesn't deliver the goods next season then he'll he'll probably deserve to be uh, be sacked but yeah i think there's still a lot of patience how about um what's the mood like at everton amongst Uh, amongst their fans i think we're all ready to get back and because we we haven't really seen there's like we haven't seen james rodriguez playing for us Oh gosh, of course you know, no. We haven't yeah. we haven't really seen much of Carlo Ancelotti. It's it's just a dis- desperation to get back and see all these things happening because it's just it's still a bit of a fever dream that Ancelotti's managing us to be honest. It's 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 really exciting what's going on over there um at Everton. Oh, I'm sorry. It just it's, it does <laughs> seems um yeah it, it just seems like there's you know you get James Rodriguez man that's that's a player, dude. Yeah. That is a player. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing. And obviously the first derby at Anfield we've won in 22 years and no one was there to see it. It's really sad. But it was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was it like watching Liverpool win the title last season? Horrible. As in? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like it's undignified how much that hurt. <laughs> it's... It was just absolutely horrendous. Oh gosh! So I, I, st- I still have to be kind of like grateful to Liverpool because when they won the Champions League against Tottenham, mm. that was just kind of like, all right, we we owe you guys a debt of gratitude <laughs> for a very very long period of time. Yeah. A very very bad 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 thing was uh, averted. Yeah, that so was never in be... doubt though. Surely, Manchester well, history of the Tottenham. Yeah, <laughs> but. I don't know, Spurs are having a nightmare. That must at least be some solace. Yeah, I suppose so. I still I still fancy them to maybe finish above us. I don't know. I don't know. No, St. Um, Totteringham's Day. 
Now I've seen something. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, again. Um, I'm just looking at the time. Let's oh, yeah, sorry. The, 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 the last question. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, okay, I once hid under my nephew's bed in order to grab his ankle to scare him. Um, he never, you know, I waited for about 20 minutes and he, he never came into your, his room and I gave up. Can you tell me about a time where you've tried to scare a small child? Uh, God. Um, try to scare a small child. Or scare anyone, you know. This is the thing, all the small children that I have any contact with, like, are smarter than me. Like, they know how to get at adults better than adults know how to get at them. Like, my my friend's son, two Christmases ago, called me Hot Dog Face. And... <laughs> Sorry. It must, no, I know, right? It doesn't even make sense, dude. But yeah. it, it must have shown in my face that it bothered me because now all three of her children all call me Hot Dog Face. Like, they, oh, they no. will never call me Sam. Like, oh dear, I got, I got showed weakness. I know exactly. <laughs> this is what I mean. They are really smart little kids, and even I got um, a video from them from one of them during lockdown, um, thanking me for the birthday money I'd sent them. And it was, oh, thank you, hot dog face. I love this money. <laughs> God, <laughs> they're, they're yeah. going to be like fourteen and go, hot dog face. Can you buy me cider? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh dear, hot dog face. That's, mm. yes, yeah, these, these small, yeah, it is punishing these, these small insults that uh, like my, especially my nephews, uh, throw at me. Yeah, uh, is they just they they, it's, it's a weird ability kids have just to kind of hone in on that one little insecurity. Yeah, that you have about yourself that you might not even be aware of. Like I'm sure that before they started calling you hot dog face, you'd not even considered that being called hot dog face be something that bother you i still don't know what it means it could mean a number of things it could yeah. mean that i'm blotchy it could mean that i'm sausage like i don't know <laughs> yeah oh dear idea. okay so let's let's wrap it up then um cool thank you so much for for taking the time to uh speak to me today um i've had i think it's been quite good yeah thank you for having me it's really fun it's a really nice um, format yeah it's yeah thank you thank you for saying that um so uh, is there anything you'd like to to plug um at all um just everything i'm doing i'm posting on twitter so if you if anyone wants to follow me on twitter i'm sam white w-h-y-t-e at sam white and we'll keep it our eyes and ears open for the big mick energy podcast when it's available to be launched thank you very much as well okay that's it guys um so uh, i just want to thank my listeners so someone's um paid some money to the chip jar that's really helped out in helping keep the lights on um audio bookish and seafood panel my two other podcasts are going really well we've got some exciting guests appearing on on both of those quite soon so um please uh, check those out as well. Thanks guys and uh, stay safe. Thanks. Bye.